0: Good morning and welcome everybody, you're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Morning Mon, how are you this morning? Yeah, good as
1: going, how are you?
0: I am fantastic. Yeah, yeah? Absolutely. Really?
1: hmm 100% sure? 100% sure. How about I test you? Okay. Woody, what's making you so fantastic today? My ride on lawnmower. Are you serious? Yes. I'd like to quit. Why? (laughs) Listen, you go on about man stuff all the time.
0: No, 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 no. I paid 120 bucks for it. (laughs) I do fix one small thing on it every time I use it. (laughs) But... It does uh, save me a lot of pushing the mower around the yard. So I'm guessing... Or digging up the yard by using the tractor, which is what I used to do with the slasher.
1: So I'm guessing you went wasn't home really yesterday. quite
0: great for doing lawn mowing. <laughs>
1: a slasher. <laughs> You're crazy. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? That's what I am
0: grateful for. What are you oh, grateful for? Did I just for? ask you that? You are... yeah. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, I asked you why you were fantastic. I didn't oh, ask you why you were grateful. Senior. I am. I, was just I am senior. fantastic
0: for the same reason I No, I'm you grateful. can't.
1: No, nah, you can't. Can't. Has to be doing different You can't be fantastic and grateful at the same time it doesn't work from the same thing.
0: I am grateful that I get to do Prophetic Code here this evening and it's going to be live on Faith FM Radio right across New South Wales, so that's going to be super exciting.
1: Yeah, let's quickly tell our listeners about that. So that's happening, uh, what's the location here? (coughs) Raymond Terrace Mission. Which is at? Raymond
0: Terrace.
1: In William Street, Raymond Terrace. Mm Do you know the street number at all? Nope. Just, just look like if you if just you go just Roman terrace mission Google if, Google if you go is on, your friend if you go on Google Maps and you type in Seventh Day Adventures Church Roman Terrace you'll get the front door of this place. Uh, it starts at what time? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Uh, Two sessions twos- with food. Is Lawson speaking as well?
0: Lawson is speaking as well. So you have so that, Lyle and uh-huh. Lawson with a yep. break in the middle. Double L team.
1: Do you know what the topics are tonight?
0: Uh, the Antichrist.
1: Oh. <coughs> part one and
0: part two. And come along for we that. We will name names.
1: Yeah, oh, it's all happening here tonight. If you are in New South Wales, get yourself up here and check this out tonight. It's free. Just come along. Raymond Terrace Mission. While it's going to be a great show today.
0: This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com. .com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. going to be a good day,
1: as long as I don't fall off that Hexham bridge.
0: Oh, you're worried about the Hexham bridge?
1: Well, yesterday I got stuck on it in traffic and it was wobbling, like oh, Yes, it
0: wobbles.
2: the beginning, the Lord made the earth, the heavens, the hills, and the Sun and the stars, the land of fruit the trees, He made all creatures that live in the earth and taught them to live by his Seven days for man, more than in the image of his maker. Man shall have dominion over all, but because we're nothing more than you. Sometimes we stumble, sometimes we fall. In the beginning, the world was so bright, perfection was there.
0: Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Faith FM. We are about to launch into our quiz for the day. What have you got for us there, Mon?
1: Oh, I'm going to do a What Book Am I? Mm -hmm. This is clue number one. The author of this book exhorts us to be imitators of God. So what book tells us that we should imitate God? If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's one 800 324 843 Or you can text us zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Is that the number? I still haven't got that piece of paper. (laughs) That is correct. Some of our listeners are messaging in and saying that where they are, it is minus 2.1 degrees. And earlier this morning, it was minus 2.8. Isn't that crazy?
0: Uh, It's a cold morning this morning.
1: Yeah, that's out in Young.
0: Where I was, it was five degrees, which for this time of year is definitely a cold morning.
1: Is it though? Oh yeah. September. I thought, I thought we were warming up too fast.
0: No, there's no such thing as warming up too fast. Dude, summer is coming. Bring it on. I love summer, it's my favourite time of year.
1: Yes, but climate change says no. <laughs> yeah,
0: sometimes I like climate change this time of year I love climate change. Nah. Let's bring it Yep. Yeah. No, I
1: saw, it. I saw the most amazing thing this morning, Lyle. I came over this ridge. We need some
0: wind. we need some rain. If we can have climate change with rain, let's have that.
1: I came over this ridge and down like in this sort of valley area, there was all this fog.
2: Oh, it's But it was
1: right at the same time where the sun was on an angle that it, it like shone right at the fog, like like almost horizontal golden rays. And it really just illuminated the fog like I have never seen before. I was very naughty. I took some pictures as I was driving. Although it didn't really work out that well because my windscreen is really dirty. <laughs> uh, Mon, there is this thing
0: called radio. Um, What? And but let's when just you focus say things on the quiz. On illegal things um, on radio. So, how did you go it's with like the quiz? I didn't, I didn't see your
1: quiz guess. Hold off your piece of paper. Where did you write your quiz guess?
0: Oh, I know the author.
1: That doesn't mean you know the answer. What did you write down? You wrote something down. What's on the other side of that piece of paper? Are you hiding the answer from me? <laughs> you wrote down the phone number. <laughs> so you, so, okay, well, I guess this means Lyle doesn't know the answer to the quiz and you can win two prizes this morning. Give me a call. 1 800 Give me a call quick. Tell me see, the answer. I was
0: multitasking, Mon. You weren't multitasking. I, I was. You I wrote are, down a phone number you, <laughs> while I was on the radio. <laughs>
1: you were hiding the fact that you don't know the answer to the quiz. That's what you were doing. Intro fool me by looking like you were writing something down. Anyway, Lyle, I have some amazing news. Did you know that uh, three days ago was the International Day of Peace? No. Well, you know now. Okay. Although I think we should practice peace all year round. Um, so this is actually uh, an organization that highlights... Um, uh, the astonishing 12 year legacy of having helped hundreds of thousands of people around the world to heal their grievances. And these people are serious about this. Uh, so last year alone, the World Relief's peace building program was set up, uh, set up 79 village peace committees in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Sudan, and Pakistan, where they trained 744 volunteers to mediate between, get this, Three hundred thousand, sorry, three hundred and forty-three thousand, two hundred and forty-seven people who were entrenched in conflicts and helped them to reach peaceful outcomes. Oh wow, that's insane! That's insane. Almost a thousand people, like a quarter of a million people, they've helped to reach peace. That's awesome. So um, the volunteers have to be willing to be... Um,
0: Blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's a- what the Bible says.
1: So the volunteers uh, participate. Um, who are willing to participate are trained in conflict mediation. So they basically receive instruction on what to do when someone comes to them with a grievance, how to investigate this, how to bring the parties together, and to guide them into reaching a resolution. Um, so the village peace committees, as they're called, address domestic disputes, petty theft, land use disagreements, conflicts over water usage, and, and many other community issues. Um, and more serious stuff of violent crimes, such as killings, are referred to authorities. Um, but these individuals and communities tangibly break cycles of revenge by de-escalating violence and repairing relationships. This is really important, Like a lot of this is done in Africa and the Middle East um, and in third world countries, basically. And it's really important because often the the authority systems that they have there are lacking. And, you know, the police... Just, they're either not available, or they definitely don't have time to deal with someone who like, oh, someone stole your bike, you know, who cares? But where in a lot of these countries, the revenge system is, is very strong. Yeah. yeah. And so if someone steals your, your bike, you steal their cow, they steal your cow, you steal their, their goat, you steal their goat, you steal their chicken, and just until someone ends up dead.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: And, um, and so this is, this is an amazing way that they've utilized the community. To fix the community, and I think this is great because the people who are who are being trained are from the villages themselves. So it's not like this is like some some you know great white savior flying in, you know parading around fixing stuff and then flying back out. These are the training people there on how to help each other. Um, They said this, we cannot overemphasize the importance of individuals living out their calling to be a light in the world and taking seriously their calling to bring peace. This is from the CEO, um, Tim Breen. In many areas around the world, we know that peace is the foundation for flourishing and conflict erodes the very ability for people to access basic health care or harvest their crops for food. Each conflict that a volunteer de escalates, it's one more relationship repaired, another harvest brought to fruition, and more families who don't need to flee out of fear for their lives. Which is actually really interesting. You don't you think, you know, someone might end up dead, but you don't think about they might have to flee, they won't be able to harvest their food, they won't be able to go to the hospital. Like just how how big this problem can get. So, th- I think this is just incredible. So, apparently, particularly in the DRC, in the Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, it's an area that is very prone to violence, apparently, where local conflicts have led to, um, high rates of forced d- displacement. Uh, there's a lot of gender-based violence and a lot of poverty as a result of this. Um, and so the peace committees have embraced the power of healing as a way to repair their communities and prevent the further violence. So, this, this, uh, this team, the World Relief Team, has, um, been working for the past 12 years. And guess who they love to work with?
0: I have no idea.
1: Pastors.
0: Oh, okay. That 100%. makes sense. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense.
1: So they work with pastors um, from various ethnic groups, um but they do emphasize that the reconciliation is conducted in both faith-based, interfaith, and secular contexts. Um, but they do find it easier to tap into that system when they have pastors available. Um, they also partner with local authorities to identify leaders in the communities who are willing to become committed to bringing about peace. Um, and the president's got arbitrary. What about countries
0: like Pakistan that you mentioned earlier, where they don't have that many pastors? Do they tap in, you know, with the? Uh- with the sheikhs and yeah. you know, basically clergy, is that what they're saying, or is it yeah, specifically absolutely. Christian pastors?
1: Uh, it did say um, Christian pastors for the Christian countries, but basically any sort of religious leaders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that um, they sort of where they go to first, because they know that's yeah. that's a. That's a um, a fertile ground to plough for finding volunteers. Um, but basically anyone who sticks their hands up. So you and I could go over there and stick our hand up if we were citizens, I suppose. <laughs> um, but the world, Pre- uh, the world relief president said, we work to empower local volunteers and churches to boldly step in and de-escalate hostility in conflict areas. We are humbled by the men and women. We have the privilege of coming alongside to equip and support. If this was ever a story of teaching a man how to fish, like, this is it right here. Don't just step in and create peace, but teach them how to build their own peace, how to de escalate these situations. Because tribal violence in Africa is insane, it's just incredible. Anyway, I think this is one of the best stories I've heard all year, to be honest. Yeah, I'm very excited! Absolutely, 79 village peace committees have been set up. It's so cool,
0: may it grow, amen, and spread.
1: Uh, one more quick story, Lyle. Do you remember just a, a few weeks, oh, maybe a couple of months ago now, there was that billionaire who he went viral because he promised to pay off all the college debt for their grad, for the graduating class. Uh huh. Do you remember that? Guess yep. what he's done now? This is a multi-billionaire Robert F. Smith. Is, he made headlines back in May when he did this. Um, guess what he's doing now?
0: I have no idea.
1: Now he says he, <laughs> he's decided to donate and pay off the debt of the student's parents as well.
0: Oh really? Isn't that I mean, just the whole so graduated. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: he's like, do you know what? I've helped you guys out of debt. Let me help you guys, your parents out of debt as well. Now,
0: why didn't Why didn't I send my son? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, well, apparently, a lot of the students, when they realised they were debt free, they're like, do you know what? You know, they were all gearing up to attack their debt. Uh, you know, post graduation and, and while they entered the workforce, and they thought, "Well, well, we don't have any debt now, but our parents have debt, so let's all work on our parents' debt," which is really cool. It's really you know, they're paying it forward. To that is
0: that is very responsible. Yeah, and this, when this is the kind of students that I would be happy to help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, exactly what he said. So, he was, um, he was like, what? That's amazing. Like, I help them now they turning around helping others. And so, he was like, let me step in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Robert F. Smith really making headlines these days. Uh, and this is, do you know what? If you're a billionaire, this is what you should be doing.
0: Oh, right, most definitely. Helping
1: to emancipate people from debt is going to be one of the best things you can do. And, um, man, he's going to be so blessed. And he must feel so good. You know how it's better to give than to receive? He must feel Lots so good. Lots of positive endorphins he must right be there. Like just, he must be like just walking on cloud nine every day. <laughs>
0: Constant dopamine.
1: So, yeah. So, he donated $34 million. $34 million. Can you imagine?
0: That is phenomenal. Just
1: wiped out. Like That's so cool. Anyway, if you have a good news story, give us a call. Share it. one 800 faith FM is our number.
3: Hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of Of Israel's race, He ransomed from the fall. Hail Him who saves you by His grace, and crown Him Lord of all. Hail Him who saves you by His grace, and crown Him Lord. Of all. You <laughs> ah, <laughs> are Lord of all Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball To him all majesty ascribe and crown him All majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all.
0: Welcome back, guys. you listen to Faith FM. This is The Breakfast Show. We are eating breakfast right here. The most delicious passion fruit I've ever put in my mouth that Mon just gave me. It's
1: pretty... I found them when I was down in Sydney the other weekend. I, you know how I am a sucker for, for freakish fruit.
0: And, um, passion fruit is not freakish fruit.
1: No, no, no. no but, but hear me out. It's not like that. It's like it was the... Biggest passion fruits I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah, I merely bought ten of them. (laughs) It was also the biggest. Bought them off you.
1: It was the same. It was. I still have like. This is only my first three. I still have another six, seven at home. Okay. Um. But yeah, I um. It
0: was. You have a a friendly co-host here who helps you out every morning to get through the breakfast.
1: Well. (laughs) Well. (laughs) I guess I could bring (laughs) them in. What do you call it? um, it was the same. It was the same little fruit shop where I got that giant custard apple, the one that was as big as my head. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same fruit shop. Something's going on in that fruit shop. The fruit's just huge. Anyway, cool. yeah. Wow. Clue number two.
0: Clue number two. What have what you got for book us? am
1: I? It's a quote from this Bible, book of the Bible, and it says this. But among how funny would it be if like the quiz was that the answer was the Bible? <laughs> Everyone thinks it's a book of the Bible, but the book is actually the Bible. <laughs> no. We should do that one morning. Okay. What book am I? This is a quote. But among you, there must not be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather Thanksgiving. You look
0: confused. I'm not confused. I'm just thinking hard.
2: That's and the answer
0: the to that uh, particular quiz, uh, if you know the answer, has evaded call, you. Isn't it?
1: You have no idea. Do you? Three two
0: four. What's that number again? One eight
1: hundred. <laughs> three two four eight four three. Give us a call. Give us a call quick, as Lyle clearly doesn't know the answer. <laughs> okay. From news around
0: the world, uh, we head up to Dingo in Queensland, where Is the a local, place called Dingo. Yes, local local uh, public school just uh, ran a fundraiser.
1: Is it called Dingo because there's dingoes?
0: I don't know. Okay, go on. Uh, I imagine there probably is dingoes. Anyway, they ran a local school fundraiser called Hogs and Dogs. (laughs) What? (laughs) Hogs and Dogs. I'm serious. They ran a school called Hogs and Dogs.
1: What does this entail? So
0: basically, uh, this entails uh, destruction of feral pigs. And they invited people from sort of all over. You come in and you register. And then uh, there's prizes for the biggest boar, the biggest sow, the most colourful pig, whatever you can uh, destroy. And people have driven up to 700 kilometres to be there and be a part of Hogs and Dogs. And it has been a great successful school fundraiser.
1: I, I have while, so many questions. While,
0: right now. <laughs> while highlighting the problem of feral pigs in Australia, there are approximately 24 million feral pigs in Australia that destroy river systems. Um, they turn clean water into toxic, polluted water. They eat frogs and turtles and other native animals. They spread seed and disease and disease and noxious weeds. Uh, for the farmers, they just destroy crops. Um, they eat baby cows that have just been born. What? Um, yeah, and basically in Queensland alone, they're doing over one hundred million dollars worth of damage.
2: Far out.
0: And so, yes, they decide to have uh, hogs and dogs, and people came in from all over the place. And what's uh, the
1: dog part of the equation? Okay, a lot of people. This is it two, like adopt a there's puppy?
0: Well, there's two ways of hunting pigs. Oh. You hunt pigs with uh, guns or with dogs.
1: Okay. Okay
0: and uh, some people hunt them with dogs and some people hunt them with guns so
1: is this a one day event or a multi day event two what day event okay two okay. day event ongoing the biggest
0: big they uh, the biggest boar that they measured was over 100 kilograms.
1: It's a decent Whoa. size decent size big what on that's like what, that's like more than me substantial yeah, than me yeah <laughs> that's, that's
0: huge <laughs> that's a big pig and that can go through a lot of vegetation in one night and create a lot of havoc
1: i actually really like this this is great well,
0: it is a um, because it's a little <coughs> bit.
1: I think people would find this a little bit squeamish and maybe non PC to have a school that's getting behind hunting anything really. But you know what? It's, it's, you got to do what you got to do to protect the ecosystem. We
0: have a messed up world, right. and we have a responsibility to the to do the best with the world that we have. Yeah. And destruction of feral animals is a part of doing the best that we can to yeah. fix up the disasters that we have made. You make a disaster, then fix it.
1: Or as uh, Spirit of Prophecy calls it, you have to get rid of the pestilence. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The pests that destroy our crops. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh one of the problems of course that they have is the uh feral sanctuaries. They have uh, lots of feral sanctuaries. What's that? Uh, particularly in, we have the feral sanctuaries right across Australia or feral havens. And these are areas in which their pigs can, you know, and 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 pigs are incredibly intelligent. And they very quickly learn to know where they are safe and where they are not safe, and so they will breed up in the areas where they are safe and then raid into the countryside. Oh. Um, and, uh, of course, your feral sanctuaries is your, basically your public land, your, your national parks and your right. um, state forests, these kind of places where you know nobody's allowed to go. Well, in New South Wales, you can go into national parks and hunt if you get mm. a licence for it, but uh, mm. you know they're calling on the state government to make changes there so that that can take place as well because yeah. basically um, – your national parks get completely overrun with ferals and the natives die out and the only place where the natives get any chance is in the farms where the ferals are kept down but in the farms that's farming land and so that's not ideal for natives either and so it's a bit of a lose-lose for natives all round.
1: I didn't know that, that's terrible.
0: Yeah, and and, and this is why in New South Wales they have uh, made changes to that, and so there are um, quite a lot of national parks and public land that you have um, access to go and destroy ferals on, which is a a good and a positive thing. Anyway, moving on. Another story here. This is uh, coming out of Ireland. Vincent Doyle uh, was, uh, several years ago, was attending the funeral of his godfather. Okay. Uh, his godfather was the uh, the local priest, the local Roman Catholic priest and they'd been incredibly close and he was feeling just completely devastated that he'd lost his godfather um, who had done so much for him in his life and that was the day that his mother shared with him that his godfather father was actually his real father.
1: Oh, are you serious?
0: And he was actually stoked because uh-huh. he felt like he got his father back again. Yeah, yeah. Because this guy was, you know, this guy had educated him, had supported him financially, had, uh, had basically been the best, you know, not living in the house kind of father that anybody could dream to have. Mm. But it got him, got him started on a bit of a journey because he started to think about it and, like, well, you know, priests are human beings. There are lots of priests in the world. Therefore, there are lots of children in my situation. And did they all have uh, the benefits that I had? And so that uh, led him to start a charity called Coping International um, <clears throat> where he's had uh, over 100,000 over 100, people have accessed it so far from doing Google searches such as, you know, my father is a priest, um, um, alimony for kids of priests, um, help my child is uh, the child of a priest, uh, these kinds of things. And it has uncovered some major problems. And uh, and so you know they've been looking at ways of being able to deal with this because obviously these children, in many cases, are actually suffering. And so the website is there to connect people together to give them a voice. You know, you're not just a faceless person um, in society. There are a lot of us out there. Uh, they, they've um, had at least ten thousand children that have uh, of, of priests that have contacted so far. Um And wonder- his story is actually not the common story. The most common story is rejection, enforced oh. secrecy, secrecy, stigma, uh, shame, and um, being bribed into silence.
1: I wonder if a lot of them like you know because this guy I just found out, but I wonder if a lot of them have known throughout their life that their father is a priest.
0: well, a lot of the stories coming out you know this is something that is usually hushed over mm-hmm. um, And then you've got a lot of children who are pushed to suicide or depression if they do find out because uh, they do face an extra layer of rejection Mm -hmm. because they're either bribed into silence or they are um, shamed into silence or it's just plain, plain, straight, flat out denied. A lot of children are finding out after the priest has died Mm -hmm. um, and their reputation can... um, can no longer, you know, be tarnished because they're, they're they're dead and gone. But they feel that you know they they have become the object of somebody else's shame, and they are the person who will destroy a person's career if they say anything. And a lot of the priests, you know, their number one priority is not the child; it is uh, their own reputation. And so you can sort of, and this is this is an area where you know we've been talking about this before, but this is a slightly different angle on it the Roman Catholic Church needs to ditch celibacy.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, There in Ireland, uh, as a result of the work that uh, Vincent Doyle's been doing with um, Coping International, they have changed the policy uh, amongst the Council of uh, Bishops um, that the child's welfare comes first and the priest will not be removed from his position. Amen. That creates the problem of, um, obviously, morality. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if a person is being immoral, you know, my job, I lose my job if I, if I become immoral. Whereas in the Vatican, um, if they find out that you ha- you know, the official Vatican statement is that they find out you fathered the a child, then you're, you know, you're fired from your job. And what that does is it drives all of these fathers into secrecy. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty much a lose-lose. The church is going to lose out one way morally and the other way, well, both of them are moral. Both, both of these both of these situations are immoral and it's being driven by celibacy. The simple solution is let the priests marry, let them have children and fathers, you know, be, become fathers and, and have, have wives and families yeah. of their own and the problem will be solved. Because
1: the kids would not only face rejection from the father figure, but also I think they would feel a sense of rejection from the
0: church. And that turns people away from God. 100%. Yeah. So this is something that, uh, you know, the Catholic Church needs to come into 2019.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: And uh, this is not a biblical mandate So this is something they can change They have changed it before, they can change it again uh, Pope Francis needs to step up And solve this particular situation Anyway, we are out of time And we're going to move on with the show We'll be back uh, with our interview in just a moment
2: gone on a journey To the promised land I heard of Jesus God's only son, it wasn't something that came and gone. He picked me up and changed my life. But sometimes life brings you down. And before you know, And those signs have ceased, and you're left on your knees. There's a rest place ahead to stop for a while to lay your head. You can come to the Lord, away from the crowds, and find a quiet place to rest in. you yeah.
0: Welcome back everybody, you're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia and joining us in the studio this morning is Stephen Kidney Brook from Block Play. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks Scott and Lyle for having me, I appreciate yeah. that. Fantastic, now um, Stephen has come into the studio, I just have to mention this, with a box of toys and we are always excited when people bring toys into the studio. i um, I am very keen to hear about these toys. They are definitely unique. These are wooden toys, and I can see why it says block play here, because um, I can see that uh, these are blocks, but unlike building blocks that I had when I was a kid. Uh, a little bit more developed than that, Steve, would you say? Definitely. Okay, so... Um, this interview is an interesting one actually because it came out of a story that we were doing the other day where we were talking about Lego and Meccano and someone, someone heard our story, rang us up and said, you have to get this guy on the show and now I can see why um, and as I'm, as I'm just doing this introduction here, I can see Steve is um, playing with his blocks, um, assembling a few things here on the desk. Steve, what's the basic
4: concept behind block play? Basically, we started this about uh, in 2002 in regards to helping children with brain development. All the way back then, we could see that the technology in two-dimensional formats were actually hindering the brain development in the 3D concepts, and three-dimensional pathways that need to be developed in a child's brain up to around about eight or nine years old were being delayed, right? Yes. Now... When you talk about two-dimensional, you're talking about specifically screens? Screens. Yeah. Yeah, devices, TVs. So
0: you started this in 2002? We did. So you're about 18, 18 years ahead of your
4: time? We're actually, interestingly enough, a couple of years after we started this, and we started developing this block system here in 2005, we are at a conference, and one of the Australia's leading academics, who was an advisor for the federal government, she said that we're about 25 years ahead... Of educational teachers, where we want to go—that was back in two thousand and five.
0: Okay, okay. So then we can predict that in about uh, five to seven years, then this should uh, become mainstream in our schools. Hopefully,
4: I would hope so. All
0: right. So, you've developed—you've got some some building blocks here. I had blocks when I was a kid. My yes. blocks were nothing like as fancy as these ones. Um, what have you actually got here, Steve?
4: Okay. What happened is we started in two thousand and two with the idea of giving teachers and educators good quality, long-lasting educational products. Because over the last couple of decades, there's been a shift from high-quality educational resources to cheaper, mass-produced toys that entertain, right? And don't really push or develop the child's brain, developmental stages of the brain. They just keep them entertained. So there's sort of treading water
0: okay so keep the kids happy and keep them out of our hair and uh, and as adults so we can then get on with our lives and don't have to worry about the
4: shorter people that we're vaguely aware of in our presence very very true we're all guilty of using the tv as a babysitter right and from the tv then went the electronic devices the phones the ipads and everything a quick convenient way But children, because we're created by God as three-dimensional creatures to live in a three-dimensional world and given five senses, it's very important that all children engage in that three-dimensional format as much as possible, right? Up until around about nine, ten years old, then they can start move to a more two-dimensional format.
0: Yeah, well, um, you say we're all guilty of it. I'll say one small thing in my defence. We didn't let uh, our kids have uh, screens or television even in our home until uh, they were over the age of 10. Um, and, yeah, a little bit um, – the jury's a little bit out, out on as to whether we should have even uh, brought it in once they uh, had achieved a, a, an older age. But, you know, certainly something that we don't
4: regret as a family. Oh, full credit to you. And gold stars.
0: And, and I know another, a
4: number of other uh, families out there that do the same thing. That's, that's wonderful. First and foremost, children, if they can, outside sunshine, fresh air, explore God's creation uh, because scientists are now realizing that um, everything that God's created has a mathematical formula built into it. Right? God's the mathema- master mathematician. So what we decided to do was develop a, um, a system of blocks where children can link and join rods and cylinders together so they can design, they can think, problem-solve, design and create three-dimensional structures.
0: Okay, so what I'm looking at here in the box, and there's a there's a box, I mean, to be honest, it's a box full of blocks and I'm sitting here and I just want to start playing with it. <laughs> this is good. This is the idea. <laughs> um, you've got squares and cylinders. You've got triangles. Yeah. Uh, what kind of what kind of things can you build out of this? Because I mean, we're familiar with Lego. We're f- familiar with, uh, I'm familiar with Meccano. Yeah. S- a lot
4: less... Uh, Uh, a lot rarer, but what can you build out of just wooden blocks? Wooden blocks are static, and that was the problem The teachers were telling us. With the onset of technology, children are exposed to a lot more information through, you know, the internet, Discovery Channel, a whole heap of different aspects of the media. And what they wanted to do was they would see something, come to an early childhood centre, come to a school, and want to build it. Right. But with the static blocks, all they could do was stack. Right. There was no connectability. There was no motion, no rotation. So teachers are telling us they needed blocks that moved. Right. So with my p- previous uh, background in heavy machinery maintenance and engineering, I knew what we could do. Ah,
2: you know, like my, okay. 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 Here's, business here's where part, it all comes yeah.
0: out. You know, my, I used to, my blocks used to move when I was a kid. I used to build towers and then knock them down. Yeah. <laughs> it was about
4: as far as they ever moved. The, Destruction. That, yeah. Well, boys. Boys, because we're left brain, right, we're mathematical, analytical, we see the whole um, picture, and we are lineal in our concepts and thinking, right? And because that, because blocks are angular and mathematical in their format, boys and blocks just go together like bread and butter, yep. okay? Yep. Girls, you're right brain, you're more artistic, more creative, you're inwardly focused. You're more caring, nurturing, and sensitive. Um, and God's given you a bit of an unfair advantage on boys. All girls born on the planet have 30% more neuron connections between the left and right-hand hemisphere, which enables I've always them always been jealous about that. Ah, uh, don't be. <laughs> <laughs> which um, allows girls to multitask, all right, and lateral think and problem-solve, allowing them to become very good organisers, administrators, and implementers of programs.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I'm looking through this catalogue that you've got here, and mm-hmm. there is a literally a vast array of things that you can build out of these blocks. Some of them are static. Most of them are moving or
4: have moving parts to them. How many basic shapes do you have? Oh, that's a good question. We have in our STEM building block system, uh, which we started off in 2005, uh, we're calling it the KB block system, until Malcolm uh, Turnbull in June 2016 said, we have to get into STEM, God bless his heart. I could then call it what it was, the STEM building block system. In that set, there's five individually priced uh, packages or sets that um, services, early childhood services, schools can buy as individual products. Now, they range from large 14-centimetre diameter circles up to really big rectangles, which are 14 by 28-centimetre rectangles with round holes in them. So they can lock blocks together with long 28-centimetre cylinders, and those cylinders can be used with the circles to create wheels and bases for vehicles. Those are some decent-sized blocks. They are good. 28-centimetres, you're talking about... Yeah, two hundred eighty millimetres. I only think in millimetres. Sorry, um, <laughs> a bit under the old-fashioned twelve inches. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So these, are, these actually are,
4: about eleven inches. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And what age bracket do these toys cater for?
4: My business partner always says from around about one to a hundred and one.
0: Well, I'm sitting here thinking exactly the same thing because I absolutely know if I went to uh, visit some friends that had kids and their kids pulled out this um, box of blocks that you have here, I would be down on the floor, I would be building something, I would be looking at, you know, what can I fit into, where can I fit into, because all of your blocks, they interlock with each other.
4: That's correct. And that's the mas- that was the basic principle by us behind bringing the old-fashioned unit blocks into the 21st century just using round and square holes, opening them up and allowing those rods and cylinders which are in the basic unit block set to be connected with block to block, right? So children can then design, they can work together, they can create and implement whatever structure they want to build. What's the advantage of this over Lego? Um, Lego started out with the right idea. They came with a basic set of shapes that then the child had to uh, think, design, and create. But unfortunately, Lego has been caught up in the big, big, uh, let's say commercial tidal wave of making money. And now they're all themed. So you've got to buy a themed set. Children can still build, but the creativity of Lego, the open endedness of Lego has been sort of like pushed into themed sets, right? With our blocks, every block is designed as an individual piece. Based on loose parts play and blocks can be connected together with the rods and cylinders to create whatever they like. This really has been described by one academic as Lego, sorry, as Meccano on steroids, right? And very age appropriate. There's no right and wrong way to play with it. It's completely open ended, it's a non failure system.
0: Now, what are they made out of? Because, I mean, one of the things that we uh, face in our world today is obviously plastic pollution, which um, turns up everywhere. And, of course, you're, um, I can see one of the advantages to your system is not going to hurt as much when you stand on it in the middle of the night as a Lego brick.
4: <laughs> Correct.
0: <laughs> okay, What? Are, what are these blocks made out
4: of? These, this range of blocks we've been manufacturing um, out of uh, sustainable bamboo since 2013, but prior to that, we we're using um, certified plantation hardwood timbers in community-based workshops in Indonesia to help um, people, disabled people, with work, which is fantastic. Okay, that's
0: amazing. So it's not just a uh, a great thing for education that you're doing here. You're actually helping people in different regions of the world and doing something for the environment at the same time.
4: Correct. We started off, as I said, in Indonesia. We had a wonderful time helping disabled organisations. At one stage, we actually funded our own workshop. Our workers came to us. They had a change of management, and they weren't getting paid right. So they all hobbled down in wheelchairs, crutches, and there's about six of them. And they said, Steve, can you please help us? We've got an idea, right? Um, and I said, what's the idea? And they said, if you rent us a workshop buy machinery, we will make your products, right, for 30% more than what you're paying for them now. But the new management wanted to double our prices overnight. So it was a win win situation. We needed to stay in business. They needed work. It worked out fantastic until the earthquake hit Indonesia. I think it was in 2006. Right. Um, but then we found that work, particular workshop finished. A lot of those workers went to different organizations. Um, we then found another community based workshop and we worked with them for another four or five years, had fantastic results with them beautiful hardwood timbers but over that last four or five years the department of forestry where we insisted our timber was bought from because it was all legally sourced tripled their price so <laughs> the basic price of the timber went through the roof
0: well i've got to say these bamboo ones just look sensational yeah. you know initially from a distance you're like oh that's timber and then as soon as you pick it up it's like no that's not timber that's that's bamboo it is and uh it looks sensational it feels sensational and um of course, I guess these ones are, uh, are um, cut out on a CNC machine. They are.
4: Yeah, uh, we design all our own products. They're commercially manufactured to, uh, f- exclusively for us under license. Um, and we present our designs to our manufacturer, fantastic manufacturer. It's actually, f- I call them family-owned. They're run by three young fellows, And I say young because they're all under 40. Um, yeah, they're young. For me, that's young. They're young. Yeah. We'll count that as young. <laughs> Definitely count that as young. Um, One's a materials and engineer, one's a graphic designer and industrial artist, and the other one has a degree in economics and business administration. They have their own machines. They have their own workshop and storage. So we present the product to them, and when we first started, they absolutely loved the concept of doing it in bamboo. We had to actually teach them how to make our blocks out of bamboo because they were simply doing wood and really weren't very good at um, – well, not. They were very excellent manufacturers, but they weren't familiar with very complex designs. And over a period of a couple of years, they learned how to man- manufacture our products, and they love it. They love it so much that they changed their whole product range. They designed themselves to bamboo because it grows six. Uh, was it twelve times faster than trees? Harder than you can, you can, you can literally watch bamboo grow. You can. You can watch it grow, and it's tough stuff. You can't kill it with a bulldozer. No, nah, that's right,
0: and uh, and and it's incredibly powerful. I mean, you can it's like the aluminium of the wood of the wood world kind of thing.
4: We're very very happy with bamboo. Like we experimented for bamboo for years, you know, testing and buying bamboo products, jumping up and down in it, doing what children would do because sometimes you have children that are like mini little little mini rugby players. They're just enthusiastic. They tackle life at 100 miles an hour and go on for something after 10 minutes to somewhere else. There's other children that are like little mini Einsteins who happened to play with wooden blocks when he was a boy and he learnt maths through blocks. Um, They're the quiet thinkers. They like to look at things, work out how they work and try and pull things apart. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now,
0: um, just uh, looking at what you've got here, you talked about the – I I want you to just – maybe if you could just spend a little bit more time unpacking this concept of – 3D versus 2D. Okay, right. um, and and why it is that our children, you know, but you mentioned we live in a 3D environment. We live in a 3D environment. In the last twenty years, we have gone to 2D entertainment. Yes. What is that actually doing to our children?
4: What it is is, as I said, because we are three-dimensional creatures and we live in a three-dimensional world. The basic structure of our brain is in everything's hardwired for 3D. Right, so. If a child learn, doesn't learn or interact with 3D, play, explore, and investigate and learn in 3D concepts, those 3D spatial uh, pathways in the brain aren't developed. They're delayed, right? So later on, that leads to problems in judging distance, understanding mass, understanding ratios and fractions, Um So, if you give a child more time in 2D than 3D, they would then, in 2D, right, electronic devices, they normally do everything for you. Just touch the device and it's done, right? In 3D, a child has to interact uh, with that three dimensional product or in that three dimensional resource, explore, and they have to actually manipulate. And that pushes the brain to form those pathways. The brain has to be pushed. So if you challenge a child, even a little toddler, to pick up a block and try and put it in a round or square hole, their brain's being pushed. And as soon as you push the brain, it starts building those pathways in the brain for problem solving, spatial development, reasoning, understanding, even communication. Blocks are probably the only resource that we are aware of that activate all areas of the brain simultaneously. So the brain lights up like like a city at night time when it's pushed in 3D and using blocks. So blocks really are the best format for children to learn and understand. Um, as I said, Albert Einstein played with blocks, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright at the age of nine, who later became the father of modern architecture, he was given a set of Frederick Froebel's blocks when he was a nine-year-old by his mother Anna, who was a teacher, and um, that had a profound impact on his life, and it allowed his child mind to be open up to this rhythmic um, patterns that were inherent in nature that God had created. And as he grew, he understood that everything he looked at had a structive comp- a pattern to it. Right. And that led him on that path of becoming an architect. And he was revolution revolutionized architectural. He was amazing. It's just fantastic.
0: Um Steve, you're a Christian person. How has your faith affected um impacted what you're doing here with um blocks?
4: Because we wanted to build uh or to design and create a block system that would help with children's brain development, right? it's led us on a path to help others. Right? As I said, uh, we were led, we had contacts in the States to go to the Indonesia to, to source out manufacturing in Indonesia and we were led down a pathway that helped the disabled organisation was set up by a church. Right, mm. We didn't know that. We went to Indonesia with a couple of contacts which were six or seven hundred kilometres away from we ended up with this organisation. So Seeing us stepping out in faith Seeing God answer that faith And help out people in need You know, that we could have mercy We could help feed people in need um, And that was wonderful uh, Then the time Got to that our business grew To such a degree and the wood was getting So expensive We had to look at alternatives And in that looking at alternatives We found bamboo right? Um there was a bit of a drawback. We had to go to China because China is the only country in the world that has vast natural forests of bamboo that could supply commercial needs of bamboo. But in that, we have opened up China's ideas and understandings uh, with, through our manufacturer, who all have children, to the concepts of learning in 3D. Most Chinese. Um, because their language is tonal, they engage both left and right-hand sides of the brain, even from when they're a baby, right, when they start to learn.
0: How widespread is, um, is this concept of teaching with blocks become?
4: It's a worldwide concept. Um, it was picked up in the early 1900s by Carolyn Pratt, an American educator, and she really pushed it. She loved Frobel. She studied under Frobel, um, but she understood that us boys are fairly basic creatures, when we're young, we're not good at fine detail, and we're, we we're simple creatures. We are, and we, we are. don't have a great deal of patience. So the little nuts and bolts in Meccano, right? They would—I know—they frustrated me because I had them when I was a boy, and they always used to get sucked up in mum's bissel <laughs> <the> sweeper, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, old yeah, bissel yeah. sweeper. That's right. I right. remember those things. You remember yeah. bissel sweepers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. When we were listening to teachers and learning from teachers what they needed in a product and we wanted to bring the unit block into 21st century, we knew we had to upscale the size. So we used the unit block format um, and we decided not to use any nuts, bolts or screws simply because boys aren't. Detailed creatures (laughs) that's
0: fantastic Um, if uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you um, and to purchase your products or make them a part of their school or their educational system Mm -hmm. I I would think that there'd be a bunch of um, you know homeschoolers out there this would be great for homeschoolers to tap into homeschools
4: early childhood schools
0: yep Um, how do they get in contact
4: our website's blockplay.com.au and on that we've got a contact page you just go to the contact page there's a couple of phone numbers and an email address which is sales at blockplay.com.au.
0: That's real simple. Blockplay.com.au. This is uh, Stephen Kidney Brook with his Blockplay system. And Stephen, we are so thankful you're able to join us here on Faith FM
4: today. Thank you very much, Lyle. Appreciate and loved being here. Thank you.
0: We'll be back after this song, followed by the 8 o'clock news and Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM. Forgiveness.
1: It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're
3: listening to
2: Faith FM, positively different radio.
4: Hi, I'm Peter Watts, and I'm sure, like me, at some time, you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? You can hear
0: Peter Watts starting Saturday October 19, 7pm Erin A Room at Erin Affair That is Saturday, October 19, 7pm Erin A Room at Erin Affair